Welcome to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Good morning, friends. This is uh, Jeb Bashaw, and this is my first podcast of 2022. Seems weird to even say that. Uh, as you know, my podcast is called A Texan's View of the World, and I hope you had a safe and a blessed Christmas season and are off to a bright and prosperous new year. If 2021 taught us anything, it was that the more things change, the more they stay the same. We had COVID Part 4, Omicron, which is, as you know, is an anagram for moronic, politicians stealing and lying to us, kids missing school because school teacher unions don't want to work, the stock market going off like a Roman candle because there's no place else to invest, and oil and gas prices and everything else going up because inflation isn't transitory. It's here to stay as long as we keep increasing the money supply. You see, it doesn't matter if you live in Venezuela, Cuba, or any other banana republic. When the government keeps printing money, inflation is going to rise. You see, it's not government spending that drives inflation. That's a mischaracterization. It's the printing of money. Let me give you an example. If you have 10 apples and 10 $1 bills in the economy, the cost for an apple is $1 per apple. If the government prints more money and we have 10 apples and $14, 14 $1 bills, the cost per apple goes up to $1.40. That's why inflation is increasing so quickly, not because of government spending or, for that matter, consumer spending. Remember, the definition of economic inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. And in the last quarter, the money supply, which we call M2, has absolutely doubled in the last 12 months. And so that's why it takes a wheelbarrow full of Botswana currency to buy a loaf of bread today. On a happier dimes, I had a great time during the holidays. I got to spend a lot of time with my son and wife and our friends, and it was wonderful. We spent time at church hosting friends for dinners and lunches and, frankly, getting caught up on sleep and reading books in front of the fireplace. I highly recommend the new Stuart Woods book. It's a great read and fast and always entertaining. Sadly, we didn't get to see three of our kids, two by distance and one by choice, not ours, theirs. And that's what I want to talk about today. I don't know if it's COVID or a change in society or too many damn lawyers or a generation that in their estimation may not be able to do better than their parents did. For the last 200 years, the economic progress of this country was built on the idea that each generation would do better than the last. And think about the last 100 years. We've moved from an agrarian society to an industrial revolution to a computer society to a cyber community. In fact, we've gotten so far from our agrarian roots that farmers and ranchers are looked at as anachronistic. In fact, there are those who so-called liberal elites that still think that farming and ranching is somehow beneath them, a past that we should soon forget. It's comical to me. Remember, these are the same elites that think electric cars run off of electricity. Don't believe me? Ask them. Just ask any run-of-the-mill elite, what do electric cars run off? And they will smugly say, electricity. Kind of like, who's buried in Grant's tomb? Then ask them, where does electricity come from? And they will not be as smug, and they will mumble, uh, the wall? Then press them further, and where does that electricity come from that goes to your wall? They might mumble, electric plants? And then you ask, what fuels burn to create electricity in these electric plants you speak of? And then they think you're trying to trick them, and I'll help them. It's oil and gas and coal and nuclear. That's it, period. All the wind and solar don't produce enough electricity to light up 5% of the homes in the United States, and they never will. 
And until Elon Musk comes up with a car that can go 500 miles without being charged, we won't be able to drive electric cars every single day. So it's no surprise that a poorly but expensively educated populace would not know that we can't live without farmers, ranchers, or fossil fuels, and we will never be able to live without them. But I digress. I had the good fortune to have tens of conversations over the holidays with friends. You see, I'm from the generation that doesn't just text. We sit across from each other with a cup of coffee or an adult beverage, and we have real conversations about real subjects. These include the three deadly topics, religion, politics, and money. I have a vast group of friends I'm happy to have. Some are conservatives, some are liberals, some are libertarians, and some are just batshit crazy. And I love all of them. I presume most are smarter than me. Some have more money than me or less money. Some go to church and some don't. That's what makes this country great. We get to do exactly what we want. Well, somewhere along the way, we've lost our way. And let me give some examples. Let's start with a controversial one because of COVID. My body, my choice. Okay. I don't agree, but now it's the law of the land. It's still murder. But again, I'm not in the judgment business. You can have your own opinion, but you can't have your own facts. So if that's the case, and it's my body, my choice, why does everyone have to wear a mask? There is no proof, absolutely no proof, that it will decrease the spread of COVID. And how do we know that? Well, we knew it before because it just made sense. But we, now we have it documented, literally documented. And how do we know that? Because we now have more cases than ever before after a full year of hand-washing, hand-wringing, mask-wearing, and social distancing. That's not my opinion. That's a fact. There are more cases today. And we have a vaccine. In fact, we have three vaccines. So let's talk about the vaccine. And perhaps you can see my air quotes. We were told once we had a vaccine, we would all be fine. And I agree. Vaccines are good. No one gets smallpox or measles or tuberculosis once they've had the vaccine. That's because it's an actual vaccine. Whatever we have now is not a vaccine. No matter how many times Fauci wants to change the name of it or say that we're going to re-decide what the real meaning of vaccine is, it's not a vaccine. And the reason we know this is because people who have had both shots, a booster, and wear a mask 24-7 still get COVID. So why do people have to get a jab? What happened to my body, my choice? Well, they say, you are saving other people's lives. And that's all evidence to the contrary. Less than 0.003% of people who get COVID die from it. We know who the people are that will die from COVID. We have the, we have the data. We have the information. But 100% of the babies who are aborted get dead. So where's their justification? It really is a case study in group psychosis. Imagine a civilization that so believed something that in the face of all evidence that they still believed it to be true. Kind of like the Flat Earth Society. It's madness, and we should be smarter than that. And how about reducing the number of police so we can reduce the amount of crime? Who came up with that? Literally, college-educated people have professed that the best way to decrease crime is not to make illegal activities a crime. <laughs> How's that working out? In fact, somehow it's the police department's fault, according to the elites, by enforcing all those darn rules that society puts in place to protect people and property. Again, it's all madness. Of course, we have to have rule of law in our society. Our children's children will laugh at us one day, mask, defunding the police, borrowing and printing money so we have, quote, more of it, rather than creating something of value that we can sell for more money. Who comes up with this stuff? Probably the same folks who believe electricity comes from your wall. Back to my discussions. 
In the last two weeks, sadly, I found out that I know 10 people who are being sued, that's right, in a lawsuit in a courthouse by either their children or their siblings over money. Let that sink in. I personally know 10 people who are being sued by their adult children or by their siblings over money. And let me tell you what the common themes are. Number one, in each case, the children are suing the parents, except for one. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. I know of no situation where the parents are suing the kids, perhaps for the refund of their private school education, their college, the cars they gave them, or the tennis or ballet lessons. Can you imagine if parents started suing kids to recoup the funds they spent to raise them so they would have money in their old age for retirement? I mean, just imagine this conversation. Uh, Sorry, Billy and Susie, I'm going to need back that $300,000 I spent on the University of Texas or Princeton or Kappa Kappa Gamma. I mean, doggone it, I should have planned better, but sorry, can you guys just write me a check? How crazy is this? Or Bobby, uh, I know Daddy left you in charge of his will and said we all need to split the money evenly, but I'd like mine now, so uh, I'm going to sue you. No, the conversations are going something like this. Dad, I'm not going to let you see your grandkids until you do XYZ or ABC. Or Dad, that trust you set up for me and your mom when you die, yeah, I'm not going to go ahead and have that now. I can't wait for you to die. Or, Mom and Dad, you didn't do enough for me, and now I'm ill-equipped to compete in a world that I'm not ready for. These are the conversations that are going on. And again, these are rich person problems. You know, it's amazing to see it. As I mentioned earlier, I actually know of a case where a woman is suing her deceased daughter estate to get money back. We live in crazy times. And I can't tell you how many friends spent the holidays without seeing one or more of their children. It's sad and cruel. In fact, in many cases, as I said earlier, the grandchildren are being used as ransom. And let me make sure everybody understands, every parent wants to see their children. It was a children's choice not to see their parents or grandparents. I've talked about this before, and I'll say it again. The farther we get from the Ten Commandments, the worse our society gets. Let's review a little bit. What part of honor thy father and mother is difficult to understand? It's not like God used really big words. How about don't cover your neighbor's goods or don't you think for you're suing the, your parents for the right to take their money or property? You're kind of double dipping on the Ten Commandments. You're breaking two of them in the same process. And how about thou shalt not steal? If a parent is spending tens of thousands on legal fees to defend themselves against their children, isn't that stealing from the other children? And what about the other children? What are they supposed to do? If the brother's suing the dad and the sister isn't, isn't the brother stealing from the sister? as well by reducing her future inheritance. I can tell you that I never loved anyone as much as I love my mother. As my wife, Laura, will tell you, not a day goes by without me saying a kind word about my mother to this day. If I had sued my mother, she would have beaten the hell out of me. I was raised by a single mom. My dad died when I was seven, and I would be embarrassed and ashamed for my dearly departed dad to think I was suing his wife or anybody else. But this generation doesn't seem to have any shame, just entitlement. They literally want everything now without working for it. Here's how crazy it is. I know someone who's being sued by their kids for an inheritance that they themselves have not received. Can you believe that? Let me break that down for you. The kids are suing the parent for an inheritance that the parent is to receive from his parent, and that parent hasn't even died yet. You literally can't make this stuff up. You see, this is where we got off track, in my opinion. We started inventing rights the right to health care, the right to an abortion, apparently the right to inherit and take stuff that doesn't belong to us. 
It's like when you see these people breaking into stores and Walgreens and, and other stores on the West Coast and not being prosecuted. There's some sense of entitlement. So it doesn't just start happening with rich people. It goes all the way down to the poorest in our lot. And it's really ridiculous. You might be interested to know that, and I'm not, this isn't a lawyer bashing, but you might be interested to know that there are approximately the same number of lawyers in the U.S. as there are engineers. You might also be interested to know that, on average, there are more lawyers in Democrat-run states than there are in Republican-run states. That's just a fact. But on average, if you look at all the states, with a few outliers, the average number of lawyers per 10,000 residents is approximately 30. That's right, 30 lawyers per 10,000 residents in the U.S. on average. Do you know how many lawyers there are in the District of Columbia, a.k.a. Washington, D.C.? The number is 790 per 10,000. Isn't that crazy? Almost 8% of the people who live in the District of Columbia are lawyers. So the District of Columbia, which has the smallest population, has 790 lawyers per 10,000 people. If you're wondering why we cannot vote to make Washington, D.C. a state, that's your answer. And as I said, this isn't a lawyer-bashing diatribe. It's just the facts. Those are the numbers. And here's some more numbers. The Constitution is approximately four pages long. Today, our tax code is just over 78,000 pages. As a reminder, the Ten Commandments fit on two tablets that were hand-carved. New topic. Yesterday, I made a new friend. He was referred to me by another friend who thought I might help. His son is battling depression and perhaps being bipolar. I'm no expert, but I'm well-connected to the mental health community through efforts my wife and I made, and so I was delighted to help and lend an ear. My new friend and I share many things, a common upbringing. Our boys had similar backgrounds, and while I didn't think I would be of much help specifically, I was honored just to listen and offer encouragement and advice when asked. Needless to say, my new friend is having a challenging time. Mental health issues take a toll, but not on the patient, but on the entire family. Having battled and lived through and continued to live through Huntington's disease, I have some pretty good ideas about how family dynamics are impacted. In our long, heartfelt talk, he asked me, when will things get back to normal? I smiled and shared with him a story that I've never forgotten. It had nothing to do with mental illness. It had everything to do with dealing with new experiences and new challenges. When George Bush, 43, was governor, he made the decision to run for president. I'm told political life itself is pretty crazy, but being the governor, even of a large state like Texas, is a world away from being the most powerful man in the world. Governor Bush's confidant, Karen Hughes, wrote a book about her experiences as his aide, both as governor and when he got to the White House. As an aside, I'm a huge fan of Ms. Hughes. I've never met her, but she was one of the few people I know that walked away from politics at the top of their game, and for that I will be forever impressed. So the governor decided to do a whistle-stop tour on a train in East Texas. A whistle-stop tour is where the politician stops in every little town on the train to give what's called a stump speech with perhaps some local flair. Mention the high school mascot or the major industry or some recent catastrophe to let the people know that they, you as a politician have their best interests at heart. They've been traveling all day from one town to the next when the train conductor came on the speaker system and said, Heads up, folks, our next stop. We are 10 minutes from normal. Normal was a st train stop there in East Texas. Karen Hughes actually named her book about the period of her life, 10 minutes from normal. As I consoled my friend about his current predicament, I couldn't help but smile when he asked, when will things get back to normal? I thought to myself, define normal. What is normal? Is normal when our kids quit suing their parents? When siblings quit suing siblings? When we quit killing babies in the womb? 
when we honor policemen and firemen and first responders and turn our backs and checkbooks away from sports stars and athletes that we've somehow decided to elevate to high honor. When we quit pretending like someone can choose their gender, for God's sake, I mean, how crazy are we? How crazy have we become? If you've asked me, I'd say we've lost our GD minds. Now, I know this is a terrible way to start the new year, and as you know, I am a very, very upbeat and happy person. And so I'm not here to be Danny Downer. I just want you to know, for those of you that are out there listening, I'm not crazy, and you're not crazy. I see what's going on around us, and you see what's going on around us. And I'm certain with God as our Father, we will right the wrongs and get the train to normal back on the tracks. You see, folks, with all this craziness, there's only one truth, and that is our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we begin the new year, I'm going to the new year with a happiness and a smile on my face. I know that 2022 is going to be a great one, and I hope it's a great one for each of you, health-wise, wealth-wise, and just general happiness. We really are live in the greatest society in the world, in the greatest country in the world, and I would argue the greatest state in the world, the state of Texas. It's our chance this year in the elections to take it back and do the things that we know work to make this country great. I hope you'll keep me in your prayers as I will keep each of you in your prayers as we go through these challenging times. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. Thank you.